You come with the king, you best not miss. You're now locked in the zone, zone 32. 32. Oh, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Zone 32 podcast. My name is Jake, his name is Drew, his name is Will, and his name is Grant. We have no guest today. Say what's up to the people. It's the original. What's up? Shut the fuck up, Grant. Let's yeah, get it. Yeah. All Why right. You for that? So we won. That's right. Ravens are on a two-game winning streak, <laughs> beating Tom Brady, the GOAT, and the refs, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 27-22. to 22. Looked like they had, what is it? They got, once, I'm not going to lie, once they got that 11-point lead, I got nervous. And then, of course, I saw the, hit, the clock hit triple zero, and I was like, good. They didn't blow it this time. But anyway, enough of my thoughts. Drew, I'm going to start with you. Give me your thoughts about the victory against Tom Brady and the Bucks. Um, I always love beating Tom Brady, so that's uh, no, no complaints for me there. Fuck that guy. Um, and then we ruined his marriage the next day. Uh, Justin Houston may or may not have you know, made yourself file for divorce with those two sacks. So uh, all good there. I mean, defense looked great for basically the entire game. Uh, a couple slip-ups at the end, but you know, no real big deal there. Um, offense was at least they were good in the correct half of the game this time. They were fucking abysmal in the first half and then, you know, kind of switched things up and looked very good in the second half. Um, all without Mark Andrews for, you know, most of the game and no Rashad Bateman for most of the game. So a pretty, pretty impressive. Duvernay looked good. Uh, Isaiah likely finally had a breakout game. I've been saying that on Twitter for about three months now. So it's about time that he, uh, you know, made me look smart there for once. Um, Honestly, like it's a good win against a team that's probably going to be in the playoffs, and we actually held on to a lead at the end. Um, I know we went into halftime down, but you know we we got out to a decent sized lead and didn't choke this time. So, you know, really no complaints from me other than the fact that if Greg Roman pulls that chip in the first half again, he should be fired. He should be fired anyway. You know, like we can't be having these uh, just drop back thirty times and throw the ball and no no real run game to speak of, and then all of a sudden come out of nowhere with that in the second half. It's just. We can't, we can't be doing that over and over again. We can't be this, you know, Jekyll and Hyde team on offense or defense. We have to put together a full four-quarter qu- effort at some point. I don't want to have a heart attack anymore. I'm kind of tired of the, uh, you know, cardiac games. So Yeah, no, I mean, there's no reason in the world we should throw for 30 times and a half. I mean, that's just completely insane. It's not our identity. You know, you had the purple troll that wants to hop out and say, you know, we're a run team. Don't worry about wide receivers. You know, we're run first. Okay, well, you don't show that when you jump out there 30 times in the first half of a game. Um, you know, defensively, I think, that, you know, Mike McDonald's really been making adjustments. We talked early on, you know, a couple podcasts ago about, you know, he needed the adjustments. He wasn't making them. He was kind of playing it safe. But now, you know, he's doing all that. And we'll get into the free agency talk because he got a shiny new toy. Um, but, you know, the way that he's been approaching his adjustments, he hasn't been adjusting essentially by halves. I feel like in that game, he adjusted by the quarter. You know, Mike Evans was Mike Evans. You know, he's the superior Michael. We know how that is. Uh, sorry, Drew. And, um, but, you know, it, it, Tom Brady still threw for 350 yards. You know, at the end of the day, um, we did get the lead late, but we went back to Raven football. You know, what this team is apparently trying to build on offense, and that's just giving space. You know, that's ground and pound, put more people in the box than they want to deal with. Um, you know, likely had a phenomenal game. You know, he got open. Um, you know, I think that was his confidence booster. You know, I mentioned a little earlier, but, um, you know, Mark Andrews going down kind of gave him more of an opportunity. You know, he made a first couple catches. Um, each catch got a little bit more difficult. Um, then he really started to kind of catch on. You can see his swagger come out. You know, he's pointing first downs. You know, he's flexing on people. He's doing that type of thing. He didn't really get the opportunity to do that earlier in the year. So, 
you know, kudos to him. And I think he's really coming on. Um, could have lost that game, you know. I mean, it, they Buccaneers didn't make it easy on us. Um, Tom Brady's under center. You never know what's going to happen, especially in the fourth quarter. But all in all, I mean, I don't think this is a Super Bowl team right now, um, especially with no wide receiver additions at the free agency deadline. But I do think they are, in a sense, can compete with anybody in the NFL. So James Proche now has more receiving yards than penalty yards, which wasn't the case before the game. So maybe he's uh, turning a corner and actually going to be good at football. That was not the case, actually, uh, during the game either. So I mean, No, it wasn't until about the fourth quarter that he um, – yeah. by the way, he doesn't name search on Twitter because I find out he blocked me and I've never tagged him in a tweet. So Finally got uh, you. I, I just I just imagine him sad looking at his uh, butterfly t-shirt sales and then searching his name on Twitter and just seeing some dickhead thing that I said. But um, maybe that's what he searched: butterfly t-shirt. Yeah. No, I've never tweeted about that. So uh, I don't know. Oh. I don't know what he came across. I'm sure it was one of my you know fire him into the sun. Why is he on the roster? Trade him. You know, one of those. Uh, I haven't threatened to kill him online, so it wasn't that bad. But still, all right. All right. So in terms of what what you were talking about there, Grant, with us throwing 30 times in the first half. So the first half. We looked inept offensively. Um, I don't, you know, the amount of times we threw the ball, I think was more indicative of just the the pace of the game than anything else. But I, you know, everybody was calling for us to attack them through the air going in because they had four defensive backs out. So I don't fault the play calling from a, a strategic standpoint to attack that weakness. However, as always, Greg Roman is incapable of pivoting when it's not working and just sticking with that when it clearly, the only reason we were ever really in much of a position to score points was because of a muffed punt. And even on that, we got the ball on the five yard line, I believe. And, and, and ran a, a bunch of just idiotic plays. We went for it. On, the, uh, it was we six. went forward on that fourth down. Out. Yeah. We lost yardage on our first, our first play. I believe we lost three yards or four yards, but um, then we have the opportunity. I don't know how we have not learned our lesson with this. Because you go for points. I will, I, I'm literally going to have to like fight the entire Ravens flock on this. This will never not piss me off. If you're in a situation, why, why do you, why would you want to continually settle for three? You don't beat Tom Brady with field goals. And I know you this don't. isn't the old Tom you Brady. But, but when you get gifted field position and you've run three plays that have netted you negative uh, four yards, you kick a fucking field goal. You take that wasn't three points. The, uh, that wasn't the drive that we kicked. That we went for. Th- um, I believe it was. Wasn't no, it or did it was, we get was, three points there? We got three points. No, we kicked okay. three. So we okay. settled for three after being gifted the ball on the five. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so then I'm I'm just mixing up the two. Then I I still think when you're in a close game like that early on, getting any points when your team is sort of uh, spinning its wheels is a good thing. It, I I do agree with your point. If we're later in the game and it's like we it's like a do or die, you got to take a hold of the of the the situation. When we're in the first quarter, the you know I think that was the first quarter where we had the no, opportunity to kick that was, No, so it was the second quarter. It was towards the end of the half. We oh, you're right, because we three. ended up getting the ball back again and kicking yeah, so we were that 61-yarder that got blocked. Okay. Yeah, so we were down 10-3. to three. You know, the, the rationale there is that the Bucks get the ball back at halftime. And so if you get seven there, you tie it up. Then at worst, you're trailing, you know, by, by a touchdown when you get the ball right. back for the first time in the second half. So, like, when, you know, there are situations where it's frivolous to go forward on fourth down or it's frivolous to go forward on fourth and goal, and, like, it's, it's fucking stupid and it's a terrible play call, but – 
that that's not one that I have a problem with. And honestly, rarely when we go for it, do I have a problem with it. I have a problem that we don't execute. And I have a problem that, you know, if we're going to have the balls and, and do this and do what I think is the right thing, then fucking make it hurt and make it count and actually convert. Yeah. So um, my, my only problem though is going forward on fourth down fourth and goal, especially is Greg Roman has demonstrated time and time again, that he doesn't know how to call plays in that situation. So I have no confidence in us to score there. Um, but the fact that we try to attack them through the air, I don't have a problem with that philosophically. I do have a problem with how we executed it. And then when it obviously was not bearing fruit, it's time to pivot and go to the run. At least, I mean, like we didn't even try to establish the run in the first half, which is insane. Just considering how well, you know, we're able to execute, uh, you know, on the ground um, with, with any of our guys who were out there. So I did have a problem with the way we executed. I didn't have a problem with the approach um, but 30, throwing the ball 30 times and putting up three points and a half is insane. I mean, that, that, that I mean, th- if it was the second half and we were, you know, we were desperately trying to like claw back into a game, yeah. but in the first half to throw the ball 30 times and get three points is just, uh, it's like, it hurts my brain to think about it. Uh, it's, it's inconceivable. So Greg Roman, once again, showed us, he does not know what the fuck he's doing in terms of actually calling plays. Now, Going to the second half, I'm still waiting for for information to leak that someone else was calling the play because it was so was stark nice. contrast. It yeah, was, and, and that's the thing too is like with the way the game flow was going, the passing thirty times in the first half, Lamar was under duress the whole time. I mean, he was yeah. they, they were they were applying heat, but we were running the ball decently well. So my thing is is did Gus tweak something early and then try to kind of play through that? Because he ran the ball, started out the game. I mean, we were I mean, he was he was getting yards. If you average three, four yards a pop, you're good with me. And he looked like he was had a forward lean to his run. And then all of a sudden we just got away from it and that you know, they showed a lot of zero coverage as everybody else does against us. So we're trying to get those screens out. But that was another thing too, is I thought Le- uh I thought Lamar threw those screens really well on the outside. You know, there was one where he well, actually I mean, he supported his body. You know, Roman called 43 of them in a row. So yeah, uh, I guess yeah. after, after you have enough reps, yeah, live reps, and you're going to get good at them. But. but we don't have – I mean, we, we don't really have anybody right now that can stretch the field, and that's a problem because that is a huge asset to this offense with the way that they run the football. Right. We do. We just didn't activate them. I, yeah. I don't know why Deshaun Jackson wasn't activated for that game. Well, because, and we, well we do know why because they, they put Bateman out there. He ran, what, one route? And hurt his foot. Yeah. So, but so again, we get to this. Why? Why is Proche active? Like, what does he do for this team? Again, he not has just played that. 80, Drew, they drew up plays for him. This he in has that game. played eighty-eight snaps this year. He has six targets. He has four catches for thirty-one yards, and he's gotten dinged for two penalties for twenty-five yards. That is How a professional he, wide receiver that doesn't fucking do anything. So, get him off the field. not get on the field with those types of numbers? Because that's how uh, yeah. bad talent. It's the same argument that I've used for Proche. Like at he was inactive. Have, yeah, he was inactive. Yeah, he was inactive. So they don't even want him. That we have we have shitbag Proche on the field, and that's how bad Tylen Wallace is. Is that we would rather have? You know, Proche he needs to get called up, Benjamin Victor. He's bring he up, he he's a, he's a, right. He's a different body type, at least. Like yeah. he, he brings something outside. Yeah, and he he's shown that he can play. That's right. the thing. At worst, he's hey. at worst, he's Miles Boykin. I mean, yeah, that's, well, they're, they're very similar skill sets. Yeah. You know who deserves some credit? You know who deserves some credit? 
Demarcus Robinson made a couple of plays yeah. in crunch yeah. time Super where he luck. he he. Th- Number one, the way they were they were executing the pass game in the second half was so much different than what we've seen all year long. And the reason I think we all agree is because Mark Andrews wasn't there. So they didn't have this like, you know, the the Greg Roman system where it's like the whole play develops just to get the ball to Mark Andrews some way, somehow. They they were having to get the ball out quick, and they were executing it. So Lamar was making easy, quick throws. The ball was moving quickly. One thing that I, I noticed during the game that I don't understand it, and it's like, it, it's something in 2019 we did so well. Um, we all complain about this. Why the hell are we always snapping the ball with like one second left, zero seconds left on the play clock? When we, in 2019, we would go up tempo and just gas defenses they, they didn't have a shot to keep up with us. And like when we're able to, to execute like we did in the second half with the pass game and then and and, you know, work in the run game and just get the ball out quick, run the play, set up, run another play. Why? I don't know why we don't go up tempo when we're executing like that, because that, that 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 offense, once they got into a rhythm, which we've been saying for weeks, get Lamar into a rhythm so he can break out of this slump he's been in. As soon as they did that, he looked like a different player. He looked confident. He looked comfortable. He looked energized. Uh, we were talking about it before we started recording. Um, he got he even like showed some fire screaming in Pat Ricard's face for that stupid ass holding penalty. I, and I'm not, no, I'm, not, not I'm not bashing be. I'm not bashing Pat Ricard. I'm just saying like he showed that's the kind of thing we want to see from Lamar Jackson. It was it was dumb, and he called his guy right. out right there so, on the field. And I'm sure Pat Ricard was like, "Yeah, you're right." Like you know, yeah, like yeah, but that's that's the shit we want to see. You get all these yeah. idiots on the internet who are like, "Lamar's mad. Lamar doesn't want to be here anymore." But like, that's that's a guy who's engaged who he's con- he's wants competing. to fucking win football games. Yeah, yeah. Tom Brady's that's been it, like that his entire career. No, well, Tom Brady's and, and a, with a Lamar too. With, they're, they're with Lamar too, kind of speeding up the offense too. With Lamar, he's the type of just instinctive athlete that he's super football smart. I mean, he he knows how to read a defense. He's got great vision. But with Lamar, the less time he has to think between plays, the more impactful he is. That's why, like, you get to know Huddle. Get the play in quick. Let him get yep. set. Let him go. But, you know, he's a Ferrari, man. Let him ride. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also with the, quick, with the quick plays for him is you're playing off of, you know, like what the defense is anticipating versus what they actually see. The less time you give the defense to read Lamar's eyes, look at his legs, figure out where he's going with the ball, you know, the less the less um, the the threat of running really, you know, factors into where they're playing. And I think that you know, right, yeah, and it gives snap, them less time to diagnose based on formations and yeah. motions because you know the the Greg Roman offense itself is a great thing. It's just the play calling that that sucks. So, but you know, if they've studied well enough. I think at times he gets locked in on certain plays. So, you know, if we're able to go up tempo and we don't give them a chance to adjust when we're showing formations that maybe they recognize, if they don't have the right personnel on the field, if they can't substitute, all that shit. I mean, that all plays to our advantage. That's why we have this the these small fast receivers. That's why we have athletic uh, offensive linemen. That's, you know, that's the entire like uh intent behind the, this offense. So, I just don't know why we don't do it more. Um, I would have liked to say, I think we could have won the game by a wider margin than we did if we oh, had yeah. just put the, 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 the gas pedal down a little harder, but it was still, it was, uh, something that we have not seen all year, which is w- instead of jumping out to a lead and having to protect it, we fell behind, we came back and we still built up that, that double digit lead because, you know, the, the team showed resilience, the coaching, like you said, McDonald, I think. People have to be comfortable now with McDonald 
he's settled in. He knows how to adjust in game. He's got the personnel and he's every week now he's going to get more guys back. So the defense is going to get more and more dangerous. Um, we the biggest knock on the, the Ravens for the past couple of years has been the pass rush. The pass rush, I think ranks fifth. Now we have 23 sacks. Justin Houston has played three and maybe a quarter games this season. He has six sacks. So, um, this idea that we can't rush the rush the passer is n- no longer valid. We not only can we, we are, and we're getting now Bowser and Ajabo back, and we just add another guy who gets to the quarterback and who makes tackles, who uh, is great in coverage. So I think a lot of what was um, plaguing this defense early in the season is going to sort of be a distant memory um, as long as they play up to or near their potential. So I think this defense took We're it personally. Too. I, I yes, think no. this is going to let him play with more speed. It's going right. to let him not have to be on the strength and allow him to essentially just pin his ears back and go. But I do want to also see I, – I, I've been watching Pepe Williams play. I really like him a lot. I like his game. I like his competitiveness. Um, but I want to see him on some more like slot blitzes. Like, he's the type of guy that's kind of reminds me a lot of Mike Hilton that, you know, he's gritty, make tackles in the backfield, but it, it could pan out. I think that they're easing him into that role too slowly because um, I would rather see him on the field more as well. I think that he's he's done enough to earn a higher snap share. And obviously he's not going to take snaps away from uh, Marlon or Peters, but, you know, if you're talking about him or uh, Brandon Stevens in some kind of slot corner rotation, like, I think Williams has been the guy who – you know, I earned his playtime, so I'm definitely well, even with when he's that gotten beat, Even when he's gotten beat, he's still been in good position. Yeah, he's gotten yeah. beat by good route combinations or, yeah. you know, like like the offense did something to kind of trick him and send him in the wrong direction. It's not really been a blown assignment. It's been, a, you know, you got manipulated by a good quarterback. So I'm, I'm not that I'm okay in. with that. Yeah, he's eight games in, and, um, you know, if that's how you're getting beat, I'm okay with that. You're you're not making stupid mistakes. You're making mistakes that somebody's trying to force you to make, so I'm okay with that. Indeed. Yeah, overall, overall good. And uh, Jackson both get activated Monday? So I, think I haven't heard a word about Andy Isabella. I haven't heard his name mentioned. I know that they that they have been specifically asked about Deshaun Jackson and said he looks good, he looks ready, and it sounds likely. And, I mean, at this point, we have to activate somebody from from the practice squad. We don't have enough yeah, wide receivers. So I think you see Bowser on Monday, and yeah. I think you see I think you see Jackson on Monday. I think those are the two guys that are going to make their season debuts. Um, I think a job. Yeah. So I was thinking about this when you know when he initially started that twenty one day window. I thought maybe we'd see him on Thursday. Because then you play them a little bit on Thursday, you play them a little bit more on Monday because that's a longer week, and then you got a full bye week, and that can kind of give you time to bring them up to speed and sort of uh, you know give them a full workload. But the fact that he didn't play on Thursday leads me to believe that there's like why why put him in on Monday at that point? Just kind of Who give him the play whole. After the bye week, is it Panthers? Yep, yeah, it's Carolina. Yeah, yeah, it's Carolina, and that's you know that, that'll be a feast. Like you know, let him let him get his uh, you know feet wet there. But no, PJ yeah. Walker. I, I mean, it might be Sam Darnold at that point, though. I don't know why they would take PJ Walker out. He's playing pretty well. So I mean, because they're the Panthers. Why did they hire Matt Rule? Why did they trade for Baker Mayfield? Like, why did they, you know, not take two first round picks for Brian Burns? They're not a smart organization, is really what it. They almost had Deshaun Watson, though. 
Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of uh, – I'm sure that he's got his own contacts on massage therapists from his time in North Carolina, so that might have uh, – almost had Jimmy Garoppolo, too. That was the, the word. That was he, the, wait, uh, he comes back – Watson comes back, what, three weeks? Week 13. 11? Oh, 13. Because they have a bye. Yeah, yeah. so week 13 is just for uh, – Bronson's going to be – I don't know. Are Bronson even going to be out of it at that point? He I looked mean, awful in preseason, so I mean, I, I hope he gets. Oh, he hasn't played in two years, so it, it, exactly. exactly. I, well, we we have an opportunity to put everybody out of it if we just keep winning games. So if we win the next two games, um, I think we're we're putting ourselves in a very powerful spot with the division. I think we have to stay Cincinnati healthy on defense, night. though, because offensively, I don't think we have a Super Bowl offense right now. See, this is, what, what is a we, – we have a Super Bowl offense. His name's we Lamar have, we're not going to beat anybody in crunch time with the players we have on the outside. Like, we we're going to have to maintain Jackson. our game. We, again, but we, we have Lamar Jackson. Like, if you th- I, I keep reading this shit online of, you know, uh, they don't want Lamar to be great. They're not giving him the weapons, blah, blah, blah. Like, there is nobody like Lamar who has ever played in the NFL before. And I hate to sound like a fanboy and this, like, stupid shit that, you know, people like dick ride Lamar 24-7. But – give him a chance, like put him in that spot. And I like our odds, but imagine giving him weapons. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's an irrelevant, you know, I would much rather. Yeah. I I would love to give Lamar, you know, two all pro wide receivers. That would be fucking awesome. But at the end of the day, or one, or fucking, I don't know, somebody besides a t-shirt salesman. I was going to say, don't even have to be a pro bowler. Like, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) To To that point about potentially adding receivers, the trade deadline went by, and a lot of Ravens fans were clamoring for DJ Moore from the Panthers to come on over. So the trade deadline passed, and there was a trade made, and it was not DJ Moore, and it was not a wide receiver. Instead, they, the Ravens trade a second rounder next year and a fifth rounder and AJ Klein to the Chicago Bears for one Roquan Smith, who provides an immediate upgrade in the inside linebacker position. He was someone they were very high on back in the 2018 draft, so it makes sense that the interest... You're burying the lead here, Jake. Of course. You're burying the lead. Who was the, who was the first one to report that trade? I, that was Rebeck. That was reported by Zrebeck. I never said no, did or didn't. No, no, it was not. It was, reported, it was reported by me. I just I quote-tweeted Jeff and uh, God's took speed. me an educated guess. Well, in that case, anyway, to get back to the point, I'm going to Will on this. Will, did the Ravens make a mistake by not upgrading their receiving core with this particular trade deadline. Well, first off, I think the trade for Roquan Smith is the perfect acquisition for us because like we we've seen and we've, we've seen it now for two seasons in a row. We can't tackle. We can't stop the run. A lot of the time we saw it uh, against the giants where they were just ripping off 11 yards at a, uh, you know, a clip, I mean, it was literally, I think, one one possession. They Every single play, they gained 11 yards just by handing the ball off and running inside. So getting a, a, a real tackler, a guy who can you know penetrate and make tackles behind the line of scrimmage, who disrupts, that changes everything. We're not relying on Patrick Queen to be something that he isn't, and we're going to let him play to his strengths. So I think it's a great acquisition. Um, in terms of the wide receiver position, there were a couple guys that I liked would have liked to see us go after, but you look at how the trade market shook out. There was a lot of teams that could have used a wide receiver and there weren't a whole lot of wide receivers who got moved. So it, that what that tells me is the asking price. Um, and I know 
that Drew in particular is a big like who gives a fuck about the asking price, but the asking price was too too high for basically everybody because there there weren't wide receivers on the move and there were plenty of guys who were like available. Like we saw Brandon Cooks after the deadline tweeting cryptic tweets about how he's going to like expose secrets or whatever the fuck he's going to do. So anyway, I would have liked to see us go get a DJ Moore or go get an Allen Robinson or, uh, you know, any number of guys, even like you get out of that, that uh, upper tier and you get into guys who are just an upgrade over what we have. I would have been fine with all of that. However, I think coming off that game against Tampa Bay, we saw a guy emerge who stepped up when Andrews was out. He has tight end. Uh, he's in the tight end depth chart group, but I think he plays more of a hybrid role, and that's Isaiah Likely. And I think we drafted him to to be that guy. We draft. We you know, we had uh, Darren Waller on the the roster a couple of years ago. I think that like haunts us that we had this like insane talent that you know at the time he was obviously battling his own uh, addiction issues, and it, it just wasn't going to be something that worked out. Uh, at, at that time, no one ever knew he was going to be as good as he is. But the fact that we had that guy and we, we just let him walk away and he is who he is now, I think probably haunts the front office. Mm-hmm. And I think that Isaiah likely kind of represents a very similar profile to Darren Waller. And Darren Waller, to me, isn't as much a tight end as he is a wide receiver. And as a wide receiver, he's not a, a wide receiver one. He's a wide receiver two. And that's the position that we're really l- looking to fill, um, you know, in the long term. And I think what he was able to do the other night uh, just showed us we can rely on him. His skill set uh, is hard to cover. It's hard to, to match up with on defense because of his size and speed and athleticism. So I think while it would have been nice to get DJ Moore, uh, it may not have been realistic. We come away with confidence in likely. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, we saw Demarcus Robinson step up and make plays and show why we we uh, signed him as a, a, a veteran presence with experience, with experience in playoff games, Super Bowl games, experience in a complex offense with an elite quarterback. So I think we do have guys on the roster who can step up, who can play better than they have been, who can be given bigger roles than they've had. Um, and I think we can still thrive. Obviously, our bread and butter is going to be running the ball. And um, I think we also a, a guy we've kind of forgotten about is Charlie Kohler is going to get activated very soon. Um, and he is w- was coming out anyway in the draft. He was looked at as the better receiver between him and likely. It's just that likely has has like a, a more broad dynamic skill set. So Charlie Kohler and Josh Oliver behind Mark Andrews gives us a lot of options to line up with tight ends. I think we can split out. Isaiah likely and make him play more of a wide receiver role if we want him to. So I think we have more talent at receiver than we, we would like to admit. And I know, you know, everybody's addicted to this idea of bringing in this big splash wide receiver acquisition and we've never done it before. So it was like, maybe we're going to, we're going to break from our historical, uh, you know, wide receiver uh, habits. We didn't do that. Um, So just the fact that we already know who we are in that regard, it's, it's kind of baffling to me that people thought it was going to be different. Um, It was just sort of the excitement of, we we did go get a Roquan Roquan Smith, who is, I mean, I I can't remember us ever trading for someone of of that caliber. Marcus Peters, when we got him was, I I don't, I don't He's as close to it, but at the time was sort of like, you know, he was a reclamation project. Yeah, exactly right. He was not Roquan Smith is at the top of his game. 
he 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 leads the league in tackles over the past two years, or he's the second, or he's behind Bobby Wagner, which is the guy everybody wanted. He's a better version of Bobby Wagner because he's ten years younger than him. So um, I think we got the guy we needed, and I think we can do well on offense with the guys we have now. And in terms of the you know looking out into December and January and hopefully February, Rashad Bateman's going to be back. You know, they said his foot is worse than they thought it was, but they didn't put him on the IR. So it's not a, a season-ending injury. It's but the fact that we have these guys who stepped up and we saw the offense thriving second half uh, last week, I think just tells us that those guys can hold it down while Bateman gets healthy. We got Deshaun Jackson, who's going to you know be a part of that group, who obviously has played for a long time, and uh, I, you know I don't think his his uh, his acclimation period is going to be all, all that that difficult, you know, he's played on a lot of teams, so he's done this before. So I think we're in better shape than we'd like to admit. It's just that there's frustration that we didn't go make that second big splash. I have, I have a question and then a follow up. So if Eric DeCosta was interested in giving a statement on the zone 32 podcast, why did he have you read it instead of uh, coming on here himself to say it? I mean, like this is the, the prototypical, we like our guys, blah, 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 you know? And I mean, in all honesty, like, you make good points as to why we didn't go get a wide receiver. My one issue with likely being a wide receiver, tight end hybrid, I mean, that's why Darren Waller ended up overdosing in the parking lot, is that we couldn't pick a fucking position for him. It drove him fucking nuts. And that's what ended up driving him to do what he did. So I, I don't I don't hate the idea. What I dislike is the whole notion that, you know, we have enough guys on the roster. Um, in terms of, you know, price, wide receivers weren't moving, that's fine. If nobody was willing to give us a DJ Moore, nobody was willing to give us Denzel Mims, uh, Marcus Callaway, you know, you can name a million names. Like, you can't force the other team to trade them, so I get that. But at least give it a shot. I mean, throw a first-round pick at somebody, like, see what's going to happen. We are a better team with DJ Moore than we are without DJ Moore. You know what I mean? We're a better team oh, with 100 100%. 100%. And so... To me, if if it comes out after the fact that, you know, the Panthers didn't want to trade Jerry Judy, you know, the, the Panthers weren't interested in needing the $20 million of dead cap and trading SDJ more. I, I get it. It's still frustrating that I felt like the Roquan Smith trade was a step in the right direction for EDC. You know, he took Patrick Queen in the first round, and Patrick Queen is a good player. I think he's overhated on the internet. But Roquan Smith is what we wanted from Patrick Queen. And so he was able to look and see that, you know, we didn't get what we wanted out of Patrick Queen. Um, I'm going to give up these higher draft picks to go get the guy that we want. And it's a pretty big gamble to give up a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick for a guy who's uh, essentially a rental. So, I mean, that, that makes me think that he's willing to throw money around, too. To keep well, no, there, that, just keep in mind, though, with with him, if we can't extend him, which I fully anticipate the fact we, we traded for him means we are going to extend him. But if we can't extend him, if we can't reach a deal there... Um, we are going to get a comp pick, so we're, we'll get a third round pick back. So what yeah. it would have ended up being is we get a, we get our half season of Roquan Smith for seventy seven thousand dollars because it's we did a salary swap with Klein, mm-hmm. so we didn't lose anything. But seventy seven grand, we get Roquan Smith for a half uh, a season, and we get a third round pick back. So really, what we lost was we we went from a second to a third, and we lost a fifth round pick and seventy seven thousand. Yeah, but I mean, EDC has proven that he loves draft picks more than his family. So, I mean, again, I talk about the same thing with, you know, he, he's got Danny Ames syndrome of he just fucking loves hoarding draft picks. And that works if you hit on the draft picks, but he doesn't really hit on them. So, you know, to me, it was a clear shift in the way that he handles things of, 
going from this hoarding draft picks to we not only have like five five picks in next year's draft, which just seems obscene for an EDC draft. Like you want to have 15 picks. So I, I looked at that as like a clear, you know, switch in directions and saying that look like I realized I've botched a lot of drafts, 2019 specifically, and I'm looking to to rectify that. And not going and getting any wide receiver at all just seems like a step in the wrong direction because, you know, if you went and got a Denzel Mims for uh, – he couldn't have cost more than a fourth or a fifth round pick or, you know, fourth or a you know, third round pick or whatever the number was. And if you go get him and you sign Odell, and now we're talking about we have a good wide receiver in the room. So to me, it's more about, you know, addressing mistakes in the past. And I think we do have better weapons than people give us credit for, but I don't think that they're good enough. And I think that you can always upgrade. And so that's kind of where my frustration is, is that I don't think that we did enough to upgrade the wide receivers. And I don't want to keep, you know, keep in mind that keep in mind that guys now, since there's no there's no chance to trade, all these guys who are disgruntled, who have been uh, basically like healthy scratches for weeks at a time are very much uh, in play for getting cut. So um yeah, and so maybe we still weeks, could we still could upgrade the wide receiver groups. We still could bring a wide so receiver in. Thing, I'm tired of the scraps. I'm tired of not making. But they're not scraps make, at that point. So yeah, right. essentially, right. they're unwanted at that time. But I love the Roquan Smith. I mean, that's like prototypical Baltimore linebacker. Like I'm all for that, especially for a second round and a fifth. You're not going to find anybody. And this is always the thing is you're not going to find anybody in the second round that's capable of his abilities. And you do pay him because he's 25 years old. He's the best middle linebacker in the game. And it's a, it's a, it's a weakness in your defense right now from a defense that thrives on linebacker play as well as edge play. So you have young guys on the edges. You have your new guy in the center, you know, Travis Jones. You know, you, there's a lot, there's a really good mix of youth and veteranship on the defensive side of the ball. But offensively, there needs to be something done at the wide receiver position. Like I said before, these aren't, this isn't a Super Bowl group of wide receivers. We, we can say it's as much as Lamar goes, it's as much as the offense goes, play calling this, play calling that. But at the end of the day, you need playmakers, you need ballers, you need somebody that's going to step up and make that play. We don't have that on the outside. And, you know, Kadarius Tony went off. He went somewhere. Um, you know, receivers are out there. I think Claypool going for a second round are kind of bogged with some people because there might have been some deals that are right on the edge of the window, and then you see him go for a second. It's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm not letting Brandon Cooks go for a second if this dude just went for a second. Then give the first. That definitely fucked the market. And that's my thing, too, is where we are at right now, where we are as a team, and where we expect to be is we expect to be one of the – top 10 teams in football when the season's all said and done. So you're looking at 22 to 32. That's the back end of the first round. You're looking at not a huge gap between the back end of the first round, front end of the second round. It's a toss-up. It's a need. It's an opinion, whatever. But you make that move. You take that first-round pick, and you go get DJ Moore because nobody in 22 to 32 is going to be DJ Moore. You're not going to go – you go get Jerry Judy. Nobody's going to be Jerry Judy at that spot. Go get Mooney. Go get – I don't even care. Michael Thomas, if you want to, throw a first and a fifth. Get it. I mean, do something. But it also could lead to the point maybe they are thinking about going all in on Odell when he comes back, thinking it's yep. a great opportunity. We'll be first in the division. You know, hopefully we'll be first in the division. We'll be set ourselves up looking for a top two seed. And then you get Odell coming in fresh. He doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be the man in this offense. He just has to be the 
So he, yeah, I mean, I mean, his routes, the way he can run on the X side, I mean, outside, inside, it doesn't matter with Odell. He runs crisp routes. He's fast. Gets the ball in his hands. He makes plays. And but you know, these younger guys that we've all expected to step up aren't stepping up. So I like what's been done defensively, but if you put that much money defensively, you have to do something on offense with capital. And a first-round pick is a capital piece that you use because it's expendable. And you're getting a huge talent back for it, so it's a no-brainer. Well, and think about our offense, too. What guys are do we not have locked up? You know what I mean? Like, uh, pretty much all of our offense is young and under team control for a while other than Lamar. So why not use that first-round pick instead of drafting a wide receiver in the first round next year? Why not go get DJ Moore? Why you not know, take why that first-round pick and go get Quentin Nelson? Yep. I mean, honestly, like, put a left guard, put him at left guard. Why not go get a left guard? Why not go get yeah, Quentin yeah. Nelson for a first round pick or something? Ben Powers in the first round pick for Quentin Nelson. I'm, I'm in. Sign me yeah. up for that. But I would, uh, I would pay money to see some people in Ravens Twitter lose their shit if we traded a first round pick for Quentin Nelson, even though I know damn well that's a great fucking trade. But people would go. I mean, they they would jump out the fucking window. Some of these motherfuckers. I mean, if you want to name and shame here, there's that fucking moron kid, Static, who was in my mentions today telling me that Lamar is the same thing as Randall Cunningham and Donovan McNabb and fucking Cam Newton. And, like, he can't do it alone. I'm like, how, how the fuck can you compare Lamar Jackson to people like that? I mean, Cam Newton has a below 60% career completion percentage. Randall Cunningham never rushed for over 600 yards in a year and was really never that great. And Donovan McNabb was a complete, you know, Andy Reid job. So I, I don't know. I think that our fan base is dumb, and I think that a lot of the crying for a wide receiver comes from stupid people making stupid points. But just because they're stupid doesn't mean that they're not saying the right thing. You know what I mean? I, I think they're coming from the wrong place. And I think that they're, you know, they, again, I've, I've seen the rumor float out there that uh, – that that grant you know hypothetical of their they're not giving Lamar pieces to try to drive his uh, price down, which again I could go on a fucking forty minute rant about how dumb that is, but I, I think that you just have to pull the trigger on a, on a trade like that. If there was a Jerry Judy trade on the table and it came down to EDC saying no about giving up a first round pick, I'm going to be fuming. Like All right, that's how really about this? How about this? We um we go to the AFC Championship game. We lose. I don't even want to like get too deep into how we lose. We lose the A- in the AFC Championship game this year. Then in the off season, we trade our first round pick for DJ Moore. Why didn't we do that at the trade deadline? That's so. Do you think people would get mad about that? I mean, I would. But my my whole issue why with now, that yeah. is why is then? again it, 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 is it's I'd be happy that we got DJ Moore and that sets us up great for 2023. But it's 2022 right now. Right. And so if you got a chance and, to go make a move that makes you better in 2022, do it. You see, and the, to go back the, to the Lamar thing, just because your quarterback is superhuman doesn't mean you want to make them try to be superhuman all the time. And make his life and, easier. Uh, we are lucky though because we do have another superhuman. His name's Isaiah Likely, and he's gonna he he's he is he's and the guy. So and Gus Edwards. So we got a lot yeah. of superhumans on this team, but I, I just think that again what. What will always bother me is that are we leaving these trades on the table? Is is EDC calling the Panthers and they're saying we want your 2023 first round pick and uh, third round pick in 2024? And he hangs up the phone and says, no, I don't want to go with my first round pick. That would bother me. 
Well, hopefully they don't make the mistake of coming out and telling us that they, that, that was oh, the you case. Mean, like, the DeAndre Hopkins bullshit? Yeah. Um, yeah and, if, the, and the Adam he, Thielen one and all, all everything else. If the issue is that the Panthers didn't want to give up DJ Moore and that there was nothing that we could throw at them within reason, you know, if they're looking for three first-round picks for DJ Moore, I can live with not making that trade. If the Broncos are looking for two first-round picks for Jerry Judy, I can, I can live with not making that trade. If it's as simple as upping a second round pick to a second, you know, to a first round pick, or adding in a fourth round pick, or adding in a third round pick to the deal, I'm going to be fuming because that's a deal you have to make. That that trade is right there for the taking. So fucking do it. So um, one thing that we haven't really touched on with Isaiah Likely's emergence is we really dodged a bullet by not trading up, not trading up, not vacating these spots that we. That right, not we're about to get Ojabo back, and we're about to have a pass rush that is going to blow people's minds. Not sacrificing our draft integrity to go get a guy who allegedly beat up a, a mentally handicapped person, who assaulted a cameraman, who got in a fight on the field and compromised his team's ability to win a, a okay, game. Reason, anyway. His name is George Pickens. He is a cancer in the locker room, and it's a good thing that we don't have him on our team because he wouldn't fit. We've got Isaiah Likely, who is everything we need and more. I, I just Every night before I go to bed, I kneel next to my bed. I cross my hands and I pray to God, thank you so much for not subjecting us to George Pickens and his antics. Not making it in you wearing his jersey right now. No, no, I'd be bitching about another missed wide receiver by Eric Tacosta. I would be bitching about another stupid draft pick. Yep. He he would he'd be catching he'd be catching balls off the jug machine with uh off the jugs machine with uh with with he uh, doesn't James have Brochet. to because he catches them in a real game. But does he really? He had no catches on three targets last week. He did, but they were badly throwing balls, and he made three incredible catches, but they didn't count. <laughs> but yeah, the potential, that's, that's what, what I'm telling you is, is, like, the skill set of the dude is there. It's uh, like his his potential is through the fucking roof, but he's got Mitch Trubisky. You sound like you sound like a James Prochet stand oh, James right now. Prochet has great hands. You know, Greg Roman's just holding him yeah, back. Yeah, Grant's about the potential. Give me oh, the yeah, uh, give me no. the yeah, give me the complete receiver. The guy blocks in the run game. He runs great routes. He's a 50-50 baller, and he can run after the catch. Is he complete? Because a complete receiver doesn't come out of the game with zero, zero, zero on in the in the box score. He's he was four on the roster. He's played eight games. Let him come in. Isaiah Likely's played eight games. He he won the game for us. Got you throwing him the football. So what do you want him to fucking do? Look what what Steelers player has good numbers right now. What Steelers player has good numbers? Is Deontay, Deontay Johnson, Johnson doing anything? Was Claypool yeah. doing anything? Is Farmer no, doing anything? Is Najee Harris doing anything? Doing more than, yeah, is doing more than picking, that's check down. That's check down Charlie. Well, you know what? I'd like to point this out. Najee Harris was very productive last year, and George Pickens arrives in the locker room, and Najee Harris sucks now. Is 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 George Pickens? Uh, I mean, I told you he's a locker room cancer. He's rubbing off on people. Uh, Deontay Deontay jo- or what's his name? Deontay uh, Johnson. Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson. Uh, I believe. Was, last yeah, he's a thousand. Year, so he was a hundred. He had a hundred catches, didn't he? No, so, so what's yeah, the common denominator? Kenny Pickett. 
No. George Pickens George being Pickens. on the field. Who are they the spending field. time with? They're spending time with George Pickens. He's putting ideas in their head. No, George, Pick- George Pickens is taking those guys out. They're going out, and he's putting these ideas in their heads, and they show up on game day. And the other day, Najee Harris caught a ball on a little outlet pass. He was three yards away from the first down marker, and all he did was jump jump sideways four times and got tackled. He like there's a there's a still shot. There's no one so in the frame you except for him. Have James Prochet or George Pickens. That's Don't not a fair question. Yeah, would rather have Saddam Hussein or Osama bin Laden. Oh hey, great, great yeah. hypothetical grant. Yeah, like that's a dick move. Like like why are we doing this? Would you rather be blind or deaf? Like I don't want to be either one of them. You know? I hope you see him when you when he walks in the stadium at M and T Bank, and you're like, "Man, fuck you, George." I hope he just reaches over and pushes you over like he, he doesn't have the balls. I'm not an uninvolved corner in a play. Yeah, I'll be paying attention. He won't push me over. Yeah, I'm making eye contact. With <laughs> hey, the stairs will push you over. <laughs> Correct. You just me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong about Pickens, but I believe it was Week Three against the Browns when he had that one-handy catch that everyone went crazy over on social media. Offensive pass interference. Well, not just that. He had seven targets that game, correct? And he came down with three catches? Yeah, yeah. that's pretty bad. Well, targets doesn't mean the I believe for like 37 yards or something like that. And they hey, lost. A target doesn't I believe mean you're correct. If I throw it at you and I throw it 15 feet in front of you, it's still a target. Okay, but I mean, here. If I'm this elite physical specimen, I should make that catch. Well, right? also, the yeah. ball, the ball that he caught. had the catch radius of a two-car garage. That ball, that, ball he he caught, that, that ball he caught, that incredible catch – it was probably uh, one of those where it's going to say it was an uncatchable ball, but he it's an uncatchable ball because he was stupid. He was more concerned with shoving the cornerback than he was with running a route and catching the ball. He had his body turned the wrong way. It's not hit. George Pickens loves pushing five nine, hundred and thirty pound guys instead yeah. of just catching the ball and then making plays. Was it Lamont Brightful out there playing corner? Yeah, I mean George Pickens would push down Tariq Cohen every play instead of catching the ball if he had the opportunity. Trend in holiday. Yeah, it's just yeah, I, I, I'm I'm happy we didn't take him. I just I agree with Me Will too. on that one. We dodged well, okay, so I'm not. I mean, but I do. I mean, Ojabo better be the fucking man. Like George Pickens shows up and the, the Steelers the injury. George Pickens is going to. George Pickens is going to end Mike Tomlin's coaching career. He's never had a losing season, and he's two and five. Yes, and now Pickens entered. Actually, he's two and six. Two and Pickens six. Old. Antonio Brown is more mentally stable than George Pickens. <laughs> Put that shit on. <laughs> Fuck you, Pickens. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, let's get into Monday Night Football, which is this coming week, week nine. The Ravens are traveling back to the scene of where we won the last Super Bowl, where Jed York decided to call the NFL and ask someone to trip the breakers, so... The Niners could have a second halftime because they were getting their asses whooped to go to actually play the Saints. So, Grant, I'm going to start with you. Give me a preview of what you'd like to see, what you're looking for in this game right before the bye week. I don't want to see us try to do too much. You know, it's gonna we got we had that 10 day window. We have enough time now, so we have a weekend since so we got Roquan Smith. He's got a week to get kind of implemented into the defense. But I mean, you don't know. I mean, the Saints aren't a good team. But they blew the doors off the Raiders, so we all. I mean, are the Raiders that bad? Yes. And, I mean, <laughs> so I mean, at three and five, I mean, I'm not too worried. It, it's one of those games. I mean, it's the NFL. Anything can happen. We've seen it all. But this is one that I don't think 
You show too much. I think you go back to what you finished off the second half of the Tampa Bay game. Um, you know, stay within your identity. Don't try to get, you know, don't try to rush anybody back. You know, this hopefully, like we had talked about actives, you know, um, you know, getting Bowser back would be huge and getting Deshaun Jackson some burn, not necessarily, you know, high level of snaps, maybe 20 snaps or something like that to kind of get him. Just needs one. Just one. Just needs one. Just one for that ADR. Just send him. That's it. I mean, Camaro's coming off a good game. This is where and why we got Roquan Smith, you know, tackling at the second level. Um, being able to penetrate the line. So Kamara, I mean, he had three touchdowns, um, but I don't see him having that type of game against us. Uh, Mark Ingram, you know, he could have a coming out party against us for like old time's sake. He's out, uh, I think, isn't he? Is, doesn't he have an MCL injury? I thought he, yeah, he, I thought he was back. Mark Ingram is out for a few weeks last I saw. I think it's oh, okay. My bad. Well, I thought he was going to be back. See, lucky for us then. Um, no, I, I, I don't, none of their quarterbacks scare. So Andy Dalton, you know, he has his experiences, I guess, against the Ravens, you know, I've seen bad games against Charlie batch. So, you know, what stands out to me the most is going to be what we do on the offensive side of the ball. Do we take care of the football? Do we stay within our game or do we try this 30 passes and a half bullshit? Um, but I mean, this, this should be a Lamar stat stat padding game. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's contain Kamara defensively, uh, make sure he's not going to be the guy that beats you. Um, you know, Andy Dalton is what he is. I assume he's going to be starting. I don't think Jameson's ready to go yet. So I think it's got to be Andy Dalton. Make sure he doesn't beat you. And then offensively, you know, make call smart plays. Um, I know that's a lot to ask of Greg Roman, but, you know, if it's Lattimore on Duvernay, don't try to force the ball into Duvernay. You know what I mean? Like, look for the open guy. Don't force the ball to Mark Andrews, you know, spread the ball. That's what worked in the second half is that Lamar attempted, I think it was like 10 passes and completed all 10 because he was throwing to the open guy. It was eight. Um, it was eight. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but he, he was eight for eight. So, mm-hmm. you know, was making, making making the right, you know, decisions there and not forcing the ball to a single guy, but throwing it to the open guy. Uh, you know, let Gus, uh, assuming Gus is healthy, which the reports seem that he's going to play. I have no idea if that's true or not, but again, if he's healthy, you know, steady dose of Gus Edwards. Kenyon Drake has looked good the last few weeks. Um, other than that uh, Browns game, but, you know, that was Greg Roman not doing him any favors. I think, like, you know, Grant said, get back to kind of old school Ravens football, power football, and still running. And you know, just kind of, you know, beat the shit out of the Saints. They're three and five, but they shouldn't be taken lightly. So, you know, you should beat them. Make sure you beat them. And just kind of play smart on both sides of the ball. Don't let any single player on the Saints offense kill you. And don't force feed Mark Andrews or don't lock in on one guy offensively, kind of, you know, spread the ball out, let everybody cook. Yep. Um, so I saw something going around like uh, Marshawn Lattimore is going to be covering Devin Duvernay. Like, number one, number one, uh, Marshawn Lattimore didn't play this week. He has an abdomen injury, which when you talk about a core muscle injury, who knows if he's going to be ready to play uh, by next Monday? He may be. But um, I, the Devin Duvernay Marshawn Lattimore matchup is not really uh, one that I'm watching too closely. If I'm being honest, like the fact that we don't have a dominant wide receiver, I think in this, in this particular matchup may even be a strength for us where it's like, okay, who cares? And I don't think that Mar- Marshawn Lattimore is going to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I've circled the, the date on my calendar to cover Devin Duvernay. I don't think that's happening. So um, we're going to run the ball. Uh, whether Gus Edwards plays or not, I don't think he does. I think we'll probably rest him. 
because we got a buy coming up. So get him get him healthy for the for the the cold weather run through late November and December and into January. Um, I think Justin Hill again looked really good. I think last week he didn't get as many carries as I wish he would. I I, I would like to see Justice Hill when you know when the situation dictates, like if Gus Edwards isn't playing, I'd like to see Justice Hill be the lead back. Um, Kenyon Drake had that one good game and I, you know, everybody knows he had a really good game because there was great blocking. He had huge holes to run through. He didn't do a whole lot besides just do his, do his job. He just ran where he was supposed to go and the hole was there. So um, even if it's a split, just like an even split between justice Hill and him, I think justice Hill is the more, uh, I guess, the way he runs the ball to me, it just looks like he's the guy who who can break a run. He's the guy who can turn something small into something big. Right now, I think he's a more productive runner. So I'd like to see Justice Hill get a, a little more of a feature role if um, if Gus isn't healthy. Uh, hopefully, Mark Andrews plays. I don't know if he will or not, or if they're going to rest him. But I'm not overly worried about it because we may see we may see Kohler. We who knows um i think there's there's a lot of ways we can go with this we can't take them lightly like you said because i think stacking a third win going into the bye is huge um our old buddy Caleb pointed this out to me a couple weeks ago john harbaugh coached ravens teams do play flat going into the bye they tend to and and drew and i did research on this and they yeah. have looked pretty flat for the past few years like in specific I, everything that i do in terms of stats and in terms of trends i like to limit it to lamar jackson the lamar jackson era and in the lamar jackson era they have been flat going into to buys obviously 2019 is kind of an outlier but even in that year they were they they played a flat game they won the game but it was ugly i think it was against philly so no, that was uh, 2020. 2019 was the um, Seahawks game where we had Peter's first okay. game. Yeah, so. I think it's an, again. I think 2019 is an outlier because 2019 yeah. was just like we we would we could have beat any team at any in any week that that year. So, um, yeah. I, you know, I think don't take them lightly. It, we have a long break, so there's really no excuse. No matter who we've tried out there, everyone's going to be as fresh as they can possibly be. So we got to run the ball. Um, we can't focus too much on these these one-on-one matchups like like i said the the marshawn Lattimore versus devin duvernay narrative that's stupid um i think that was just like manufactured because of the outrage about the the non non action on a on a wide receiver acquisition so um we should win this game handily it it could be a real a good test for us it's a prime time game it's a road game and it's one we should win without any issue. So if it's one where we go out to a big lead, can we protect that lead? Can we build on the lead? I don't want to see us go out to a big lead and then have it shrink and thus have to like protect a touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. I want to see us win a game that we're up by uh, double digits and we maintain that. When we get to double digits, we don't, we never go back. So, um, you know, I think this is, this is a statement game for us, even though it's not a statement opponent, it's just us saying, look, we've won two games in a row because going into this, you know, going into the last game, we had not won, we hadn't won a game after, or we hadn't, we hadn't won two games in a row. Right. So it was all, it was always like, we're up, we're down, we're up, we're down. So this is us saying, okay, we're over that now. That's not our identity. Uh, even though that was kind of the, the, you know, we had all these historic stats about like, we're the only team to ever accomplish this, like idiotic feat 
of leading every game by 10 points and giving back leads and all this other bullshit. So this is our opportunity then to put all that to rest, win three games in a row. It's a road game. It's two straight road games. We would win, go into the bye, and then come back against an inferior opponent and win another one. So, you know, we have an opportunity to win four straight games and it's against, uh, teams that we should beat without any problem so you know i just think we gotta we gotta handle our business that's the like what it boils down to it's not not overly complicated we have the better players and at the end of the day the team the the side of the ball that wins this is the defense because they have bad quarterback play on that team period there's no way we should lose to a team with andy dalton at quarterback and even if it's famous winston yeah, right. I mean, like, and especially with an upgraded defense. So, like, we yeah. the defense, we honestly, I, I would love it. I would love to see our defense outscore the other team. Just yeah, outscore the, the Saints offense. I'm with, you, I'm with you on the Justice Hill thing. So, he's been running with some juice lately. Do you think, do you notice that he, it's happened ever since he got made fun of for his vision on that long run? I hope so. I hope so. Bullying works. <laughs> I have said this for years, bullying guys works. And, you know, the ones who don't get sad and block you like James Proche end up being better for it. True. Yeah. I mean, and that he has to even know, like when, when there's this graphic going around where it's like, it's him and it's like three guys and two of them are his own players. And it's like two thirds of the screen is a gigantic box that's empty that he could have run through and he decided to, to run where all the guys are like that that's got to be a wake-up call like he should like look at that every night before he goes to bed like that should be his background on his phone like why did i make this decision and how can i be better tomorrow so i think ever since that like when i saw him do that i was like because i i have i have a bookmark tweet of my own that i said here's the cut list here's the guys who should be cut and uh, most of them are still on the team. So unfortunately, that, that prediction did not come come to be. Maybe not unfortunately, though, because Justice Hill, I think, um, I don't know if he's a guy who reads tweets with his name in them or not, but maybe he takes these things and he like actually puts into action things that can improve. Why, like, make prove me wrong. I would love for every guy on my list to prove me yeah. wrong. Now, we one of them can't. I'm not even going to mention who it is, but one of those guys can't prove me wrong at this point. But... Uh, but you know, we the, need the to rest... put them away. We can't leave them, like, let them hang around. And I could see them throwing a heavy dose of Taysom Hill at us just with yeah. the way, yeah. you know, that's where Roquan comes not... in. Yeah, exactly. Taysom Hill is not good. He's um, not, if they, but he, if can, they throw... he runs hard. I do give him that. He runs yeah, hard. Fucking hit him hard. Hit him harder. No, I mean, in, in all honesty, like this is, uh, this is not a hard opponent, but it's a game that we have to win and we have to win convincingly. You know, we, we have to, you know, really fucking get out to a big lead, hold the lead the entire game, and, you know, bury them when we have a chance. Yeah, I Way said out. this, um, I think right after the Tampa Bay game, I said, I do not want to see anybody, anybody. I don't want to see it show up in my timeline. If I do, I'm going to go at them really hard about why it's like okay for us to lose this game. It's not okay for us to lose this game. We're playing an inferior opponent. We're going into a bye. We need to win this game, period. If we're playing a shitty team, there's no you know, rationalizing how losing is okay. It's an NFC team. I don't give a fuck. 
we have 17 games. I want to win as many as possible. And if we're playing a shitty team, I want to win the game. And it's, I don't want to win the game. Like fucking losers. It's never okay to fucking lose a game. Never, never. And especially like, I don't, and, and, and in this case, I don't want to even want to see it to be like a game where we come away with a win, a hard fought win. No, this should be an easy win and we should embarrass them. We should, we should make them feel like, uh, you know, they shouldn't have even come to play that day. Confidence boost. We are that much better than the Saints. It'd be huge. Yeah. We win by then. If we win by two touchdowns, that's huge going into the bye. Um, You know, you're walking with confidence. I want to see at least a two touchdown win for sure. Agreed. So they, yeah, it's an interesting game. I mean, the Saints have a talented team. They just haven't played, not team, but defense. They just haven't played to that caliber at all this year. They're giving up four and a half yards per carry on the ground. That's another reason why we need to run the damn ball. Good things happen when you run the ball, especially with this team and being yep. able to work on play action. So there's that. Before we head out, I'll ask you guys, anyone want to make final score predictions? Well, first of all, sure. before we do final score predictions, let me just say, so we can all predict uh, with full confidence, I think we're gonna, we are going to run it back with white jerseys and purple. Because like I said last time, it's a good combination for us. Um, I think it looks great. I think they play great. And... Uh, so with that in mind, let's make these predictions. Go ahead. Who wants to go first? Say, if it's white jersey say. and purple pants, I'm going thirty to thirteen Ravens. If it's if there's this is white to black, maybe you go twenty seven to thirteen. White to white, obviously, we'll just and anything and everything said in this podcast will be null and void because that's fucking disgusting. They're not white, smart white on white should not even be white on white should not be an option. And I will say this. I'm not just trying to like make myself feel better. I know damn well that they know that my stats are out there and the white on white is the only outlier. It really like what, well, I should say white pants in general are, but the white on white specifically because white on white means it's a road game. We don't wear white on white at home ever. It's never happened. So white on white shouldn't even be a remote possibility. We should, if we are going to do it, only do it once a year. We've already, we've already done it. So let me just give stats here. White on white is two and four, two and four. So a th- we've won 33% of the time. Black jerseys, white pants, irrelevant. That's also uh, 33% of the time. Um, so the white jersey, purple pants, 10 and three, 770. Um, the other option you said is white with black pants. Uh, that is seven and two. So... That that's very comparable. It's seven seventy eight percent of the time. Yeah. So um, I'm fine with either one. I prefer white and purple. Obviously, I think it looks better. But they 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 play well in either one. The only thing we are we cannot do is white and white. I think we're going to see white and purple again. We because we have not we hadn't done it till last week, and it's unusual that we we hadn't. The only purple pants we'd worn all year was color rush. So I think we're going to see white white jerseys, purple pants again. And with that in mind, you said 30-13 in white and purple, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Just like Prime said, look good, feel good, feel good. That's play right. Good, play right. Good, good. That's why when people challenge me on this and they're like, the jer- the uniforms don't matter, the fuck they don't. They do. No, like, nobody wants to wear piece of shit uniforms. Like, think about the 09 Broncos when they, look, when they wore piss and shit. Brown and yeah. fucking brown and yellow striped socks. That's yep. piss, piss and shit uniforms, literally. So nobody wants to fucking wear that. At, so that's all I'm saying. Drew, what you got? 
35-14. I'm good with that. What about you, Grant? I'm going to go 32-17. 32-17. So we're all convinced. How do you get to 32? Hmm? How do you get to 32? What's our score? What do we score? Grant, did, uh, our Grant wasn't on last week, was he? Somebody picked like 14-11 last week. Yeah, yeah, that was Theo. Theo picked 14-11. Yeah. <laughs> what, what a weirdness. Right. <laughs> now, I will say, 14-11, if you, du- if you double that, that's almost the exact score. 27-22. Yeah, so, Maybe Theo knew. All right, Maybe. so my, my score prediction is uh, I'm going to go 35-10 Ravens, there obviously. So, yeah. So, let's do what we need to do. Beat a fucking inferior opponent who's not playing particularly well. With Sign Odell Beckham. Sign Odell Beckham. I mean, it's we've talked Lamar. about last season. I wanted OBJ. Like, it's what it is. Absolutely. Pay Lamar what the fuck he wants. Give him a blank check. Do what you need to do. He, he's proven himself. And when but Denzel he, Mims gets cut, sign him, please. Yep. Absolutely. Bring on the bodies. Promote Deshaun Jackson this week. Let him run fast. Have a day. But anywho, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week to recap what happens in NOLA. But meanwhile, I'm going to make a noise and maybe not clip. Nope, that didn't work at all. So I'm just going to do this. Nailed it. Hell yeah. Zone 32. 32.